Welcome to The Deciders. This is Renee Frazier, founder and CEO of Frazier Communications, the leading woman-owned and woman-led advertising and marketing firm in Southern California. We're focused on doing well by doing good, and our radio show is one way of doing that and giving back. The Deciders features leaders, change agents, educators, and entrepreneurs who share their stories and their insights. These insights can help you grow as a CEO, help you build your business, and as importantly, help you improve your impact in the world. On the show, we explore how we can help people advance into leadership and grow their businesses. As we look at the United States, we see that we are a nation of consumers. And of course, being part of the marketing world, I'm part of that uh, ecosystem, if you will, where we encourage people to change their behavior, in the case of Frazier, a lot more healthy behaviors, but also to acquire things. And as we acquire and consume products and spread that consumer economy around the world, we have to really consider what we're buying and what we're doing as we ask people to make those purchases. More and more, we're thinking about being conscious consumers. My guest today is a woman who can help us understand how to be more conscious of the ripple effect and the impact of what we do purchase. A leader in this movement is Aisha Barenblatt, the founder and CEO of the ethical fashion for profit company, Remake. Welcome to the Deciders. Aisha, how are you today? Hi, Renee. I am wonderful. I'm just so happy to be here in conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I am so thrilled to talk with you and learn more about encouraging people not to shop uh, and how to shop, because in a capitalist society like ours, uh, it's pretty common for us to be acquisitive, as Thorsten Beblin said. And we know there's conspicuous consumption, right? Ways of demonstrating mm -hmm. that you have status or you achieved a certain level of economic stability by acquiring things. But I, that may be an outmoded idea. Tell me why you think it's so important for people to think about not buying as much as they buy. Hey, you know, Renee, what's interesting is over the last two decades, we have been buying more and more, particularly when it comes to fashion. Uh, and we have really seen the rise of fast fashion and ultra fast fashion. So today we're buying something like 80 billion units of clothes, most of which end up in a landfill or incinerated within the first year of production. To put those numbers in context, there are not even 8 billion people on the planet. So the point being that we are buying too many clothes and throwing them away too fast. And that impact is just devastating on our climate, on our soil and ocean health. And then the issue that's most dear and near to my heart is on the working conditions of this predominantly female workforce. Most of the people who work in factories around the world are young women in their early 20s. And the sooner and faster and cheaper our clothes have been coming to us, the longer she's had to work for less and less wages. And so I often like to say, if you care about gender justice, if you care about climate change, if you care about the planet, if you care about human rights, then thinking about how you shop and what you buy should matter to you. Makes a lot, makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think that people do this uh without really thinking through the implications. Let us, let's go through each one of these uh, and understand. Uh, let's talk about landfill and the, uh, the impact because 
the clothes get given away or thrown away. I have to say our goodwill in the area where I live, you see stacks of clothes in the in the parking lot next to the bins. And I have seen, and when I go to third world countries, developing nations, people with T-shirts that say AIG or the Braves, you know, and they've obviously been able to, those have been shipped to other countries, probably at a very low price, but ultimately they end up in landfill. Tell me a little bit about the landfill problem, and then we'll also talk about uh, greenhouse gases, but first landfill. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that we may feel good when we are sprucing up our closet, we've certainly done a lot of that in COVID, right? A lot of deep cleaning, putting things in bags, sending it off to Goodwill or our local charity shops. But I think for people listening in, it's important to understand that most of what you're donating, because there's such a glut of clothes that we are sending off to the charity shops and Goodwill that they essentially end up in the secondhand markets uh, as well. And because fast fashion is not built to last, a lot of it ends up falling apart after some wears. You may feel good about sending it to a charity shop, hoping it has a second life, but the truth is within the first year, it's either going to be burnt or in the landfill. And a lot of, you know, the secondhand shops will share the the stats with you that some of these clothes that they're getting, especially if they're defective, there's a button missing, there's a tear, they're not really equipped to be repairing these clothes. So it may offset our guilt to be handing it off to them, but they're actually just sending it on onward. One of the countries that receives a lot of our secondhand clothes today is Ghana. And mm-hmm. you know what that has done is really decimated their local economy. So oh, really? some of the yeah, some of the unintended consequences of we think we're doing something that will have a positive impact. But you know what that means is the local economy and the local tailoring shops are not being able to compete with this glut of you know, essentially, in many ways, trash that we're sending on, and then we're making it Ghana and other developing countries problems to deal with the clothes. And I think the other thing to understand with whether it ends up in the ocean, burnt or in landfill is because a lot of our clothes today are polyester blend, which essentially is a petroleum-based product, right? We are then harming the soil health, which has a lot of environmental implications as well. Um, if anyone has never seen you know, a landfill photo, visit our site, remake.world, take a look. And I promise you, you'll never look at your clothes and the amount of shopping that we do in the same way ever again. Yeah, it's very sad. And, and it takes, what, 120 years for clothes made of non-biodegradable fabrics to uh, decompose. Is that right? So it's a long time that it's there. You know, we often think of, oh, when, you know, we're thinking about climate change, and I know we're going to discuss that next. We think about, you know, transportation or the car industry, but we don't think about the deep connection that the fashion industry has with plastics and with oil and gas. You know, if you go into your cupboard today and take a look, Uh, I bet for most people listening in, a lot of what you have is polyester blend. And that is very hard to break down. You know, some generations ago when we were doing more organic cotton or if we're looking at more uh, compostable materials, that would break down. But the way to make fast fashion and trendy clothes is to be mixing it with these synthetic materials that are very hard to break down. Makes sense. You know, it makes sense. And I think you're right about from a, the apparel industry produces so much product. There's a lot of greenhouse gas emissions shipping the product, as you said, 
and producing the product to begin with, and obviously with the uh, oil, uh, it's a petroleum products. You know, it's interesting because there also is a trend about buy less. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting what I have seen here in Southern California, pay a little bit more and buy less. You know, that wonderful kind of white, uh, you know, men's shirt or white T-shirt that you can wear for years and to spend a little more so that it's a good quality, but but recognize that you're going to it's going to last you 10 years. So there is an emphasis on quality over quantity, but it tends to be at a moderate to high price point. It's not this fast fashion, right? For good reason. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when we discount for inflation and take a look at what we pay for our clothes today, we pay less than we did 10 years ago. And so I think for people, it's important to understand that somewhere someone is paying the price of our clothes coming to us cheaper and faster and at a disposable cost. What that means is her wages, the women around the world that are working in factories, is starting to shrink. Now, sustainable fashion today, even though that market is growing, is more expensive. But I think it's really important for people to know that there are many ways to be a conscious consumer, right? Here at Remake, we do a lot of education work around making this movement more inclusive and accessible. You know, it shouldn't be that somehow only if you can afford the more expensive price point that then you can be a part of this movement. And so one of the things we teach our community is, well, yes, quality over quantity, but if you are buying something that is more built to last, that is more durable, you'll actually end up saving money in the long run because a lot of these cheap clothes, the only way for ultra fast fashion brands to be profitable is for the clothes to fall apart. I think the second piece of this puzzle, Renee, is really the secondhand market, vintage. You know, I'm an avid renter of clothes. So different ways for us to be thinking about keeping clothes in generation longer, because the more we're relying on virgin resources that we're diverting away from food supply, from other reasons that we need to sustain our planet into these throwaway clothes, the truth is our planet simply cannot sustain that volume. Is there a... um a level you'd like people to to achieve and or pledge to, for example, you know, to, to buy um, only, uh, you know, 12 items in a year. I'll make one a month and maybe it's less uh, and and buy something, you know, will you will use at least X number of times. Can can you give us some advice that might be part of this conscious consumer training? Yes. Yeah, so one of the things that's really fun that we do over the summer as a community. So we have some, you know, 1,000 ambassadors around the world now. These are, you know, conscious consumers who are out in their communities teaching our message. Uh, what we do as a community is we take the no new clothes pledge for 90 days uh, through the summer. And why 90 days? Because it's often said that's how long it takes to break a bad habit. And so what we do as a community is unsubscribe from all the sale emails. You're a marketeer. You know how that can reel you in Um, and really lean into the community to be mending, to be swapping, to be thinking about what we already own that we can pull out and spruce up from our wardrobe. And what's fascinating is as we've now walked into the fall, a lot of our community has said, well, we're just going to keep that trend. You know, I'm either going to buy nothing through the holiday season because so much is being marketed at me 
or I'm going to repair, reuse, perhaps shop in my sister's closet, maybe have a swap party for things where I have something that I may be tired of that could be a new wonderful piece for someone else. Um, So there's all these different ways where we try and think about well, if you give up shopping, which gives you that temporary high excitement, uh, what do you get in return? And really, it's about leaning into this community and building more experiences. Um, the other bit of advice I'd give someone is, if you really want to buy something, make sure it's not an impulse buy. So, you know, if you're in the store or you're looking at it online, maybe put it in your shopping cart of oh, have a look at it in the store, go walk around the block, come back and then see if you want it. A lot of our community will say when we do that, when we think about it in a more deliberate way, nine out of 10 times, we decide we don't actually need that piece. Good advice. Yeah. And then the final bit of advice would really be, you know, fashion is about timeless style. It's not about chasing trends. And the more you can mix and match timeless pieces that you love, that you want to take care of, the more you'll really be a fashion icon in your own way, rather than letting the industry sell to you trends, which keep coming back, you know, because there's just so many trends you can have. Um, So don't be a sheep, you know, be your own person um, and embrace your own individual style. That's one of the most wonderful ways of being a sustainable customer. I like that a lot. I think, uh, you know, having the courage to do that uh, makes a lot of sense. I have to say, I was looking at my bags the other day, you know, especially after uh, COVID and not going out very much and thinking, boy, I I should probably buy a new bag because it's the fall season. You know, I've been trained to think that way. And I look at my closet and I have, you know, lovely black bags that are perfectly fine. And um, many of them, you know, I buy, I bought a few name brands, you know, uh, but, you know, I, my, they're 15, 20 years old and they're classics. You know, in this case, like a Chanel bag. It was a huge amount of money when I bought it. But here I am 15, 20 years later and you divide it, you know, and it's so it's, you know, less than $100 a year. And, and, and I wear it regularly and I can even give it to my daughters. So I think you're right. Classic. Try to buy classic things and then make a commitment to really keep those things a long time. The swap product party is a really good idea. You know, in my company, my advertising marketing company, about half of our folks are under 35 and they do swap parties all the time. I'm amazed and they love it. You know, they share clothes, jackets, shoes, and bags. And uh, it's for the same reason. They want to be really good conscious consumers. I also like the idea of thinking about it. You know, that's true of almost everything we buy, right? They try to push you on an impulse basis. And I have to say Instagram and Facebook, that's really what they're doing, right? It's late at night. And TikTok makes it even worse. You know, you have all these influencers that are pushing you to buy halls and halls of fashion. Um, It very much is sort of the fashion magazine now, you know, of the next generation. And so that is certainly something we strive to push against, you know, and we have influencers in our own community that'll make a fun Instagram story or a TikTok post, you know, showing how you can mix and match pieces or how not to give into the fast fashion um, advertisements, especially as we're walking into the holiday season, you know, because there's going to be so much pressure to consume and consume. And one of the interesting things there, Renee, is so much of our community talks about how much happier they are when they own less stuff. And especially in COVID, when we've been locked away and really reflecting on what matters, this notion of 
you know, a few beautiful things that you'd wear over and over again, that's not cluttering your closet, that are easy to find. It makes you so much happier than bags and bags of things that you perhaps bought, but not really um, enjoyed. It doesn't feel great on your body because it's not nice materials. Right. Um, and then at the end of the day, it's just weighing you down. And I think you're, you're right. I, and let's talk about also gift giving. Mm. That plays a role, right? There's this notion of you have to get something for someone and, uh, you know, what are you going to get them? And so another sweater, a pair of socks, or this or that. And of course, information and sales being pushed at us. Uh, What do you advise people to do to try to combat that pressure? Yeah. So one of the things that we really lean in as a community is to give the gift of experiences. You know, we as human beings are very social creatures and locked away on our Zoom screens. We crave that. So, you know, if you're vaccinated, you can give a special day to a loved one, go, you know, for a walk or go kayaking or, you know, do something with them. I'm sure that would be much more appreciated than a top or a pair of socks. So can you give the gift of experience? You know, we recently had a wonderful community member of ours showing how to gift wrap beautiful things with materials you have around because sort of all all of the you know trash that we generate in the holiday season with how we gift wrap things Um, you know one of the other ideas is does the person have a favorite cause you know we certainly at remake have a lot of our community members donate christmas the holiday season hanukkah their birthday to us because we take no money from the fashion industry we are a nonprofit that's off service to the community. And they talk about feeling really good when mom and dad have donated to us rather than bought them something that perhaps they don't need. So gift of your time, gift to a charity, you know, making something for someone. Uh, There are so many ways to make someone feel loved without having to give in to the rampant consumerism. Um, And, you know, this year is an interesting year. We keep hearing about supply chain ruptures and people are talking about, oh my gosh, nothing is going to arrive by the holiday season. But I think it's important for people to remember that there are human beings at the other end of those supply chain ruptures. And across Asia, we are still dealing with a lot of vaccine inequity and a lack of PCR tests. And so when we're pushing people to enter factories and quickly churn out products in time for the holiday season, she's having to pick between her life and her livelihood. And so opting out of that madness this year more than ever may be quite important. Makes a statement. I, I like that. And I think, you know, what you said about the gifting, which is, Making a person feel loved. That's the essence, right? Of you give them the gift and there's the glee on their face and then the surprise when they open it. But it, inside is a card saying you've made a donation, uh, you know, to your organization to remake so that uh, we are impacting the world and helping women around the world. It makes a lot of sense. And it's a way of showing your love without having it to be a physical thing. Uh, is there a place on your website where people could do this and maybe even download an image or a card that they can then give to others? Yes. So our website is remake.world and, you know, you can donate right online. You can give it in memory off or dedicate it to someone. And then they get, you know, a lovely handwritten card from us noting what the gift is. So it's right there 
on the website. There are also other ideas and examples of ways to think and give consciously as we walk into the holiday season. Wonderful. Aisha, tell me about why you started this organization. Yeah, so I am Pakistani-American, and I think a part of my heritage really plays a role in you know, what I really do today, which I think of as my life's purpose and not just a job. You know, I've worked in the fashion industry some 15 years, first on the inside, working as a consultant for BSR, where we provided a lot of human rights and environmental sustainability consulting to fashion brands. And frankly, Renee, after, you know, some seven, eight years of doing that, I realized what we're needing is a lot more radical disruption. So having worked on the inside of the industry for as long as I have, I really wanted to start a nonprofit that felt inclusive and accessible to everyday people to be a part of the solution. You know, the industry on its own was simply not moving fast enough to address some of the most wicked problems of our lifetime, you know, front and center thinking about the climate crisis, about gender justice. And so I founded Remake really thinking, gosh, here's a industry that is very much profitable because of women's wear. It's, you know, marketed to us by women. It's made by women. Uh, How about a for women by women movement to really make fashion a force for good? And, you know, a lot of what we've talked about today is the one part of our work, which is around conscious consumerism and better shopping habits and embracing a sustainable fashion lifestyle. The other part of our work is advocacy. So we are really there to teach everyday people how to exercise that advocacy muscle. You know, how do you make calls to policymakers? How do you campaign for brands to really center women's voices in this process? And it's interesting, I think, especially here in the United States, we've in some ways lost our way when it comes to be thinking about ourselves as citizens first, you know, and really making our local, our statewide and our federal policies to work. Because truthfully, this is a very deregulated industry. And the only way we're really going to make progress is to push for some smart policy reform. You're right. And, uh, you know, guiding us on how to do that. Uh, for advocacy is really important. I think the other thing is empowering us to make the right decisions. At Remake, uh, you also want to push transparency and you have a a rating system. Tell us about that. Yes. So one of the things that, you know, early on in our founding journey that people kept asking us is, okay, I'm being as conscious as possible. I'm, you know, helping with your campaigning work, but where do I buy? When I must buy, where do I buy better? Especially when the industry has so co-opted sustainability and now everyone professes to be sustainable and I don't know who to trust. Right. And so we put out free ratings on the largest fashion brands, luxury and high street. You can come to our directory again at remake.world and discover brands. And the brands that have our seal of approval are the ones that are really thinking about these issues around living wages, addressing the climate crisis, doing this work in an intersectional way. So people can take comfort that if it's Remake approved, it's a better brand. And that, you know, read up on the scores of perhaps some of your most beloved brands that aren't doing as well, so that you can ask them better informed questions. I think it's important for people listening in to say, unlike other ratings, we are not an affiliate marketing shop. So we take no money from the industry. The ratings are really pure and distanced from the industry. So you can feel good about coming, taking a look at that data, and then making informed shopping decisions through that. 
I like that a lot. I think also I'm going to look up myself and if I make purchases, make them from those stores. And then during the holidays, I bought this at blank because uh, they rank high in terms of uh, sustainability and the way in which they impact the environment with their products and women, because I don't want to lose the women's wages issue. We only have a couple of minutes left, but tell us how women are impacted because so many of our listeners really do want to have a positive impact on other women. And what can they be, what, what's happening to those women laborers helping to produce the products? Yeah. You know, so to paint a picture for you, the average person who's sitting in a factory, she's in her early 20s. She is today mostly toiling in sweatshop conditions, whether in downtown LA or in Phnom Penh, Cambodia or Karachi, Pakistan. I say she because it's a predominantly female workforce. Fashion is one of the largest employers of women. And so one of the things that listeners can do is support ethical, sustainable brands that commit to paying a living wage because often even the minimum wage is not good enough. You know, here in California, knowing you're in Southern California, Renee, we just worked together as a coalition in partnership with the Garment Worker Protection to pass the Garment Worker Protection Act which assures that the 45,000 garment workers, the largest hub in the United States that still makes clothes today in the country, are paid $14 an hour rather than 2 to $5 an hour. So again, that's a way that our citizen community really showed up to pass smart legislation so that workers are protected. I love it. I think it's really important that... Uh people on the ground feel the impact. So I'm glad to hear that. Uh, so I'm going to just uh, restate what you've told us as we close the show. I want to thank you so much, Aisha Berenblatt. She is the founder and CEO of Remake.World. And at Remake.World, you can find ways to reduce your consumption. You can learn which companies are doing a better job. And you can become an advocate or an ambassador and be educated. I recommend you look at that. And that is Remake.World. Thank you, Aisha. I think it's great information. I'm going to check out the website myself. I want to thank our listeners. I think you've seen this has been inspiring and gives us some practical advice as we enter the holiday period, how we can reduce our shopping, even commit to not buying certain things and make a difference in the way we use our clothes and be a better conscious consumer. As you, many of you know, The Deciders is also a podcast. You can hear them anytime and look at them on our website at FraserCommunications.com. Fraser is a full-service advertising and marketing firm. We do not advertise any clothing brands. We're all about health and wellness and being a conscious consumer, making this earth a better and safer place. You can contact us at FraserCommunications.com to learn more. We're going to be back next week with more information and more inspiring stories from entrepreneurs and people who are having a social impact, like Aisha with remake.world. Thank you all. Have a wonderful week ahead. This is Renee Frazier on The Deciders.